I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. So Jesus is preaching a sermon on a mountain. If you haven't put it together yet, it is the Sermon on the Mountain. And these uh, famous lines are what are often called the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. It's famous stuff. Even if you don't go to church that often, you've probably heard of the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. But I have to confess, um, the Beatitudes often leave me a little cold. They're beautiful and they're poetic and I don't always feel like I know what they mean exactly. So when it comes to scripture, not knowing what it means usually makes me feel one of two ways, either nervous or disinterested. <laughs> Real confession time. <laughs> but talking with Jay about the Beatitudes this week was comforting to me because I could make my little confession, but also I could have some company because I said, what does poor in spirit mean? And I believe your exact words were, well, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> but then, of course, he said something wise. He said, but I once heard it paraphrased as, blessed are those who know their need of God. Blessed are those who know their need of God. If I know nothing else about the Beatitudes, I know that much is true. I know I need God because I am never more lost and never more beat down than when I try to do it all, when I try to do it all on my own steam. To put it another way, I'm always reminded that I need God when I try my hardest to pretend that I don't. So perhaps it makes sense with the scripture to start by asking what blessed means. What is Jesus saying here? The literal word in the original text is makarios, it's Greek. And it's the same Greek word that they used in Jesus's time when they were translating the Psalms from Hebrew into Greek, it's uh, the phrase we encounter in the Psalms over and over as happy are they, happy are they. The Psalms say that a lot, happy are they who put their trust in you, happy are they whose transgressions are forgiven, happy are they whose way is blameless. I can see why more modern translators have chosen blessed because happy is almost harder to understand. Happy are they who are persecuted Happy are they who mourn, happy are they who are poor. I think my difficulty with these words of Jesus is because I've never quite known what to do with them. They're not commandments per se, they're not commandments. I don't believe that Jesus is telling us that we ought to be poor, we ought to mourn. Though I do know he tells us, and more than once, that we should be merciful, we should make peace. So. These aren't commandments or instructions, and they're also not permission. They're not permission for us to ignore people who are poor or suffering because God has a plan. We're not allowed to ignore the poor and the disenfranchised because God has a plan for them in heaven to make it all up. So they're not commandments and they're not permission. Maybe it's too obvious to say it, but the Beatitudes are blessings, and more than blessings, they're promises. They're promises chiefly from scripture. Every one of these blessings comes from the Hebrew Bible. Jesus was opening the scriptures to his disciples and to us because I think he thought people might be surprised to know what's inside. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. That's from Isaiah. That's from Zephaniah. 
The Psalms promise blessings for the meek, for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Proverbs and Deuteronomy promise God's blessing on those who are merciful. So Jesus is saying, these are God's promises. But then Jesus goes on to show us that these are his promises. In Jesus, we never see the separation of word and action. His promises are never empty. Instead, Jesus spends his every waking moment alleviating suffering. He feeds the hungry, he cares for the poor, he demands justice for the oppressed. And as we've heard for the last few weeks, as Jesus called his disciples, he called us to follow him. He sometimes tells his followers, go and do likewise. God in Jesus Christ is living God's promises. And I think the only way for us to understand them is for us to live them too. And that happens in two ways. The first is the clearest intangible action. Go and do likewise, follow me, help the poor, dismantle systems that create poverty, stand up for the oppressed, dismantle systems that create oppression. Listen to the people who our society pushes out to the margins, work to empower people who are disempowered. We have work to do, but we don't only have work to do because if that was all, if this was just another way of God to say, straighten up and fly right, these would be empty promises. Because like everything Jesus said, these are also invitations. And they're invitations not just to action, but to relationship. Richard Rohr writes, the Beatitudes offer us a more spacious world, a more spacious world, a world where I do not have to explain everything or fix everything or control anything beyond myself. The Beatitudes offer us a world where we can allow a larger mystery to work itself out through us and in us. These things are done for us more than anything that we can do. So because these blessings are a promise that when we mourn or when we're struggling financially, struggling to have dignity, that when we push back at injustices that feel like they might crush us, when we're at our lowest is when God comes closest to us. When we're at our lowest and feel furthest away from anyone who could help us, that's when God is at his most near. The sacred mystery of God's grace and the sacred mystery of God's love and God's presence come close to us. And it's a mystery not just because we don't know how God does it, right? We're not God. It's a mystery because it is personal, personal to each of us. I think anyone who's ever mourned someone and felt grace and peace and comfort from God knows that that is as personal to you as your fingerprint. That's the mystery. How does God know us so well and sometimes better than we know ourselves? I think it's because God is asking us really sometimes just to know one thing, because blessed are those who know their need of God. Blessed are those who know where their abilities ends and God's abilities begin. Blessed are those who know where God's love begins because our capacity to love feels like it might be coming to an end. That's a mystery, and it's a mystery that happens when we let it. These blessings are promises that God makes to us in our relationship with God. 
So when we stop fighting so hard, when we, start, when we stop trying to blind ourselves to pain through pleasure and distraction, when we stop working so hard to control everything and fix and tame, that's where God's work for us begins. Because God's love for us has no beginning and no end. So blessed are they who know their need of God. Amen.